Father, Lord, I just thank you for gathering brilliant people. Every week you gather brilliant, brilliant people in this place. And we come primarily, Lord God, to honour you, to worship you, to give our attention to you. But Lord, I just pray you could use someone like me right now to inspire a few people. Lord, with your truth. Lord God, that we could just be a little bit more like you. That the people around us could be blessed because we're in their lives. That this town and the university and the workplaces here would be different because we're there and we carry you. So be glorified in this, I pray in Jesus' name. All God's people said. Once upon a time in, in our church life, we were really good at the interaction during a preach. You know, you'd have someone going, yeah, amen, preach it. You know, I, I, I'm always like, I go, come on, that's my thing, come on, yeah. I've, I've preached several times at Jaff. Give me a wave of your Jaff people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've preached at Jaff. It's always quiet at Jaff. But this is what I do. I got saying something. I was talking something particularly about male-female relationships. And who knows, that's always high on the gender in, in late teens, early 20s. And I was talking about a girl meeting a guy, and they all started doing this. You, you do that thing, don't you? They all started doing this. There you go, there you go. I knew I was obviously doing it wrong. Spot the white guy. I, they started doing this, and I started. I thought I thought it was a mouse or someone was giving it one of them. But do that. Whatever it is you do during a preach, bring your culture to us. Let's be heaven. Who knows? In heaven, we're not all going to be English, or African, or Chinese, or Scottish. We're going to be all in there together. So if you like to shout amen, preach. If you like to click your fingers. If you like to stand up and do cartwheels, let's join in. Okay, let's, let's make this a really good experience, not we all sit there and go, that was really good. I, it was really, it really moved me, that did. Yeah? This side, on the three, I want you to say amen, this side, okay? We're going to have, a, we're gonna have an amen off, okay? On the three, are you ready? Have you cleared your throat? One, two, three. See, that's what I'm talking about right there. Can you beat it, guys? Can you beat it, guys? On the three, one, two, three. I'll let you make your own minds up. But I now can't hear a thing. Okay, if you like titles and you're, you know, you're a note taker, you might want to take the title down. Today's title is Truth Telling or Peacekeeping. Truth-telling or peacekeeping. My goal as a lead pastor is to give lots of different types of messages. Isn't it great when you come to church and the, the, the preacher gives a message, it touches you in the heart and it might bring a tear or it might move you. That's good. Isn't it great when the preacher comes up and he gives the power Holy Spirit message and people are healed and, tra and transformed and spiritual gifts rise up in you and you, they're brilliant too. But sometimes we need a challenge. And you walk out going, oh, that was tough, but I needed to hear that. We had a bit of that last week. Lots of people come up to me last week and said, you know what? I needed to hear that. And last week I was talking about tender love. And, and, and previously to that, we talked about sacrificial love. We talked about walking in someone else's shoes and what that might look like. And today I want to talk about tough love. Because unless you get the full concept of love, is it love at all? And so here we are, we like tender love because it's nice and it's gentle and it's arm round and it's good. And, and sacrificial love's challenging because it costs you something. But tough love is both hard to receive and hard to give. But we need to be the complete picture. Who knows that Jesus gave out tough love? And so we need to be 
the full picture. And so I hope to stir you tonight with some truth that might challenge you and help you, but leave you feeling more a bit like a bit more like Jesus tonight. Amen. Oh, we were communicating. I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. Uh, they did a did a study in a in a business management magazine, and they asked um, employees what they would most like to see in their boss. And they had five categories. The most ticked category was honesty. Just be truthful with me. They did the same survey to bosses asking what they wanted in employees. The most ticked box was honesty. Just tell me the truth. Who knows in the workplace or any given place, if people are just honest with you, you can work with that. But when someone says one thing to you, and then later on, and you always hear it, don't you? Someone else says, did you know what they really think of you? That's like, ouch. Sometimes it's just easier to work with the truth. I've got to rephrase that. It's always easier to work with the truth. So could we be people who are truthful? They did a survey of single people looking for a partner. Lots of online stuff now. There's boxes to tick. Every single person ticked the box that said honesty. I want my life partner to be someone who tells me the truth. To someone who is honest with me all of the time. It's a good trait. Who knows that there aren't many people out there longing for deceitfulness? We want truth. When God gave us the Ten Commandments, he said, don't lie. You see, because he knew that you can't build a great marriage, you can't build a great business, you can't build a great church, you can't build a great friendship unless you're prepared to tell the truth. You can't build on it. Somewhere in it all, when the proverbial hits the fan, if you're not telling the truth, it all comes out and it goes belly up. We need to be people prepared to speak the truth. Can I call that sometimes tough love? This is the reality of the situation, pal. We need to talk about it. But it's the best thing, but often the hardest thing. And can we be a little bit better at that? Matthew 23, 27, 28, Jesus speaking. Woe to you, teachers of the law and the Pharisees, you hypocrites. Sound like Jesus? You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. This is Jesus speaking, telling the truth. Do you think that was hard to hear? But was it still true? See, this is Jesus, full of compassion. The one who stepped into the world of the adulteress and said, who condemns you? I don't either. The one who said, let the children come. I know it's not done here, but I welcome them. The one who looked out and wept and said, you're like sheep without a shepherd. The one who fed and healed and taught people love also said, you hypocrites. See, Jesus got really stirred up when people were making a mess of their lives. And even more than that, because of the mess of their lives, were making a mess of someone else's life. That bothered Jesus enough to step in and tell the truth. I don't care what you look like on the outside. I can see what's going on the inside. And it's not good. And it's not cool. And we need to talk about it. That's Jesus. 
Jesus said to his disciples, you have little faith. Come on. You've seen the great things I've done. And yet you swan around. Where's your faith? Jesus spoke truth. And it was tough. And it was painful. But you can work with that. And it sets you up on a platform to go higher than any other namby-pamby half-truth that just is easy. Are you hearing me? You see, as I've grown up, I've got a million and one stories I could tell you. I went out, and just when I started getting into nightclubbing, don't judge me now, I went there when I was younger, obviously not that long ago. And uh, it was actually my first time I went out. And my parents had said, look, you can go out, but we want you back by midnight. Who knows that the party never starts till midnight. But, but mum and dad said, and I thought, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Who knows at two o'clock I was creeping in. And uh, I was like, oh, that door, the door just has to creep, doesn't it? <coughs> oh, no. Got in, got in, closed the door, blink. Stood there for a second. Thought, I'm all right, I'm all right. I'm creeping, we had quite a long hallway, it's two o'clock in the morning, it's pitch black, I'm creeping up there. And then, in the lounge, where the light's just coming through the curtain, there's the shadow of my dad sitting there. <laughs> Hello, son. Don't! <laughs> oh! He didn't say a lot, he just said, don't ever do that again. Fair enough, you know, you take it on the chin. The following week, I went out. Be back at 12, son. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. Now, the queue for the kebab shop was quite long, to be fair. And I did get chatting a little bit. And I probably rolled in about half 12, but I thought I might just cut it. I got there, put my key in the door, bolted it from the inside, hadn't he? Couldn't believe it. Who does that? I'm like, what on earth? I went over the road and knocked on my mate's house and he let me in and I slept on his sofa. All night I was thinking, how could he do that to me? I'm his son. I could have been killed. He wouldn't even know. All this was going through my mind. I stomped back in the morning. I can't believe you did that. He said, this is my house. If you live in my house, you live by my rules. Uh, and I love you enough to lock you out. It was tough, love. Do you think... That was easy for my dad to do that. But he loved me enough to say, this is the reality. I want to set you up to win. Over the years, and, and particularly since I've become a pastor, who knows, you, you get a lead role in anything. And suddenly you think you're the man or the woman. I'm the boss. And I had some learning to do. And I've still got some learning to do, but I'm getting there. And, uh, you know, I have a mentor, Bruce, who's been and preached here several times. I'm sure if you're here for long enough, you'll get to see Bruce. He's a very brash and strong New Zealander uh, in his late 60s now. And he's got to know me really well. And he said, Barry, you're doing a great job. But he said, if you want to go to the next level, you've got to stop being the clown. I was like, thanks, Bruce. Cheers. Because I like a joke, as you can see. But there has to be more than jokes. And he was saying, it's great to do that, but you've got to get the substance. People need to hear what's in here. People need not, yes, to laugh and joke, but there needs to be more than that. And he was telling me some truth. You know, I've had various meetings with Sarah and my parents in particular as we've led the church. And who knows, they challenged me on some stuff. I'm not always right. I know it's hard to believe. 
Hello. I was asking for that, weren't I? Never heard my dad say, look, I sell everyone to be vocal. My dad's piping right up at the back, and he? Look. Who knows you're not right all of the time? But why is it we think we are? And we all do it. Stop leaving me hanging here, people. I need a bit of that right now. Yeah, yeah. But you think you're right and you press for something, but I'm the boss. Yeah, but it doesn't make you right about everything. And when people challenging you, it's because they love you. And it's hard to receive. Who knows I didn't receive that like this. Oh, thanks very much. That was lovely. I really appreciated that. Who knows I stomped off. We're having a divorce. The church is finished because I'm right. Until you stop and have a little thing and go, actually, no, I'm not. But people to say the hard thing is often the best thing. But are we soft enough, are you soft enough to hear the hard thing and not get the raven ump? And say, okay, Jesus, I know that person loves me. They're speaking some hard stuff to me. I'll take it on board. Can you at least tonight challenge yourself to get in that position? To receive some tough love. To receive some truth. There will be times when you're the one giving the tough love. But I feel like Jesus never gives you the position to give the tough love unless you've received the tough love. Because it's so difficult to receive that sometimes. And when you know how it feels, maybe you're a little bit gentler when you're giving it. But you can still speak truth. There's ways of telling the truth, isn't there, church? How about we give the truth in love? But it's still tough. Tender love is badly needed in our world. Hard-hearted world on the whole, I believe. We need compassion and sensitivity. We need encouragement and affirmation, all of those things. But without the counterpart of tough love, it can just dwindle away into some sniveling sentimentality that actually leads to deception and brokenness. It'll be all right. It's okay. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It probably wasn't your fault. Yeah, it was. It was totally your fault. And you should have done something different. But what we do is we just want to be nice. But you know what? Nice doesn't cut it. You lead someone thinking, it wasn't really my fault. No, was it? I can't believe that. And you leave them broken and deceived when what God wants you to do is speak the truth and set them up to win. Tough love is actually really helpful. But it does need to be balanced out with sacrificial love and tender love. But unless we're prepared to speak this message, it's all unbalanced. Do you hear me? You see, those of you who are t naturally tender, and it's probably lots of you, and we need you. We want peace and harmony without the hassle. We want to hug it out. It'll be all right. If I hug you for long enough, it'll sort itself out. It won't. There needs to be times when we're big enough and ugly enough and strong enough to say, come on, make a different choice. Think about it differently. You see, I've got friends, and I know lots of people, who say, if you hadn't been tough for me, my marriage would have broken. If you hadn't been tough for me, I would never have got out of debt. If you hadn't been tough for me, my ministry wouldn't have taken off. If you hadn't been tough for me, I would have looked around and seen people differently. So by you being tough with me, although it was difficult, my life's in a better place. Jesus always wants us to end up in a better place. But sometimes it needs to be cold, hard truth. And we need to be soft enough to take it and soft enough to give it and speak some truth. Turn to the person next to you and say, let's speak truth.
See, we can always look around and see all kinds of people running around in circles, married people right on the edge of a breakdown, people making poor decisions with their finances, young people pushing their luck and trying every kind of thing out there just waiting to get burned, and we can see it. People who are making life choices which are obviously not healthy for them. And we bury our head in the sand and hopefully it will be all right. But I believe God's challenging his church not to bury our heads in the sand anymore. And actually get alongside someone and say, I love you too much to watch you sit shipwreck. You know, how about this thought? Truth telling becomes more important than peacekeeping. We can keep the peace and say nothing and we'll stay mates and it'll be good. But they end up in a poor place. Whereas actually, if you're prepared to break the peace, so to speak, and tell the truth, eventually, if it's handled well, they end up in a better position. Can you see the journey it goes on? And I want to say this, it has to come out of relationship. It's really difficult for someone you don't know to pipe up and stick their tuppence worth. And it's like, leave me alone, who are you? But if you're in relationship with someone, especially someone you respect and they step in, it's because they love you enough to say the tough thing. And we should learn to receive it. There's a big misconception with peacekeeping and peacemaking. Matthew 5.9 says this. This is where Jesus on the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. It does not say peacekeepers. Blessed are the peacemakers they will be called children of God. You know, it, keeping the peace is just like not ruffling any feathers. Peacemaking is stepping in prepared to ruffle feathers so that it gets better. And you make peace. That's a completely different thing. Ephesians 4, 15 and 25, two separate verses say this. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Speaking the truth. The truth. Not, oh, the truth in love. Comes that relationship. Verse 25 says this. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we're all, we're all on the same side here. So if the motivation is love, you're only ever trying to set someone up to win. And so when you speak truth to them, the motivation is that I want to see you do well. The motivation isn't, I want to prove you wrong. And if you're in a relationship like that, you can give permission to someone to speak into your life because you trust them. When Sarah speaks into my life, when my parents speak into my life, I know they love me. And so when they speak into my life, although sometimes it's hard and I can sometimes rear up, it's because they want the best. And if I spoke into any of your lives, it's because I love you. Not because I want to prove you wrong. Because I'm wrong too sometimes. But when we speak the truth in love, you set someone up to win. How about this as a definition of tough love? Action for the well-being of the one you love. Do what it takes because you care enough to stop the shipwreck. It always has to come out of relationship. You know, when I was playing football... Um, during the week we'd be training and uh, the coaching staff would be analysing how the games have gone and where they're trying to head to. And, and they would sit in the referees room and have a discussion. We'd be out training 
And then someone would come out and call a player in to the referee's room, and no one wanted that call. It basically meant you weren't playing well, you were stuffing it up, and they were going to have a word with you. And so you'd be training away, and they'd go, oh, so-and-so, you can you come and come to the referee's room? We were like, oh, unlucky, unlucky. But there's the day that you get called into the referee's room. And they'd sit you down and they'd go, look, Barry, great player, but this has been happening recently. We've just seen that creeping into your game. We don't want that anymore. If you could not, can't cut that out, there's other people wanting to take your place. And when it's your, your living, you're sort of like, okay, I've got to work hard at this. But they're telling you truth. Not because they want to prove you wrong, but because they want the team to do well. And so they'll speak to you. It came out of being on the same side. And although no player wants to hear that, we need to hear that so that the team does well. And none of us wants to hear cold, hard truth sometimes, but we need to hear it so the team does well. Wouldn't it be great if God's family was so on fire and so humble here on earth that we work so well together that the, tra the town was transformed? Wouldn't it be amazing if people like Peter were able to say, Kessid Church, can you come and help me? And we're like, come on, this is a great course. I'm not going to make it. You're not going there because you're too lazy. I'm not. Well, what have you done then? Well, um, um, uh, EastEnders. How about we tell the truth and start saying we need to use our time wisely. And if I can give the man three hours of my time a week, I'm going to do it. Just see the, the kind of thing. Let's stop making excuses and get behind each other. Let me give you some practicals. This isn't particularly straight from the word, but I think it's good. You can weigh it up yourself. Clarify the issue. If you're going to approach someone and tell them some truth, clarify. What is it you're trying to say? Don't get there and get all flummoxed and move around the situation. What are you trying to say? Decide in your head before you go. Is it a mountain or is it a molehill? Is it something that's long-lasting or is it just for a moment? Do you need to address it or are you getting on your high horse? What is the root cause? Think of these things before you go with the tough love so that you can communicate clearly what it is. Secondly, get yourself in the right place. Classic verse, Matthew 7, 3 through 5 says this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We all know that. But this applies to tough love. There is no point you getting all on your high horse looking at someone's life going, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, when you're doing it worse. And we all do it. But how about we take a moment to say, Lord, check me out. David's prayer, search my heart. Am I right with you? Before I address them, am I okay? And take your time because then your place is soft. And when you go, you could speak truth from that soft place. You are not trying to point the finger at them. You're trying to help them. And you can be gentle. But you first need to check yourself out. Take the plank out of your own eye. A very practical point. Select a good time and place. Wives, if your husband is really into football, but he's been doing something that's been really getting on your nerves recently, don't have a chat to him at half-time in the cup final. 
He's not going to give you his attention. He's probably just going to get annoyed and there's going to be a row. Right conversation, wrong time, wrong place. Uh, if, you're, if you're a guy maybe wanting to talk to your wife, don't talk to her when she's trying to do the dinner for your 16 children <laughs> and their friends they brought home from school and you want to get serious and talk some truth and she's like, go away! <laughs> I joke, but time and place. Go somewhere where you can have some proper conversation, talk it out in love without the distraction. It's just practical, but it's helpful. Finally, pray. What a great place to start. It's amazing what God will do if you communicate with him. Uh, how about pray and you go there and start talking to them and they go, do you know what, I feel like God was just revealing that to me before you got here. Cheers, God. I knew I could just sort of wangle it with you there. But pray. God, help me to do this because I love this person. I don't want to finger point. I don't want to mess them up. I just want the best for them because I love them. Help me. Am I right? Can I find the right place? Can I go and have this conversation? Why? Because I want the best for them. I want to set them up to win in life. Romans 12, 18 says this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The flip side of that is maybe sometimes it's not possible. Because it says if it is possible. Now maybe you go to someone and it doesn't go how you hoped and you did it having prayed and got your heart right and they don't receive it. That's cool. Because it might not be possible. But you did your part. You can leave the rest to the Father. So don't beat yourself up if it goes wrong, if it's possible. You see, I think too often we fight for our possessions more than we fight for our relationships. If someone walks out of your life with a huff and you're like, oh, silly old cow anyway, didn't really like her, when secretly you really liked her, but someone steals your car, or your, or your phone, that's the one, isn't it? Someone steals your phone, what? I'm phoning everyone up. Who's doing it? I'm putting it on Facebook. I'm going to find them. I'm going to have them. My phone. But a person, oh, well, I'll move on. How about we treat people with respect like we want to be treated? Maybe they're hurting too. How about we should fight a little bit and be tough enough to have the conversation because you love them and get past ourselves and stop being namby. People call Christians namby-pambies. But I say Christians should be the toughest people on the planet because Jesus was. Oh, I love it when they were, you know, really upset with Jesus because he said, you know, before Abraham I was. Like, oh, he's claiming to be God. Well, yeah, he was. You know, people have got all this stuff about Jesus and, uh, you know, he was a prophet and he was this and he was that. The trouble with all of that is Jesus said he was God. So he can't just be a prophet. He's either a complete lunatic or he is who he said he was. So you can't have it both ways. And so Jesus says, before Abraham I was, and they're like, oh, we're going to throw you off a cliff. And so this great big crowd are going to throw Jesus off a cliff. Jesus just walks casually through. Jesus was not a namby-pamby. Jesus was solid. And we need to be solid. 
Jesus was prepared to be tender when we needed tenderness. He was prepared to be sacrificial when we needed sacrifice. And he was prepared to be tough when we needed to be tough. He had the complete package. We need it too. So how about we toughen up a little bit, but in the midst of that, be soft enough to communicate well for the betterment of the other person. I want to look at one situation here in the Old Testament uh, with Elijah. Have a look at this with me in 1 Kings verse 19, uh, chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush bush, sat, <laughs> sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Here's the thing. Don't beat yourself up if you have a wobble. Elijah had just come from the moment where on the mountain he challenged the prophets of Baal to a fire off. You know the story. He said, I'll tell you what, if your God Baal is so cool, you call on him and if he's real, he'll send fire. Yeah? So 450 of them are slashing their wrists and dancing and, and shouting out. And I don't know if you've read the story, but Elijah stands there. And if you translate to English, he says something like this. Maybe Baal is having a wee because he's not doing much. That's how it translates. And so they're cutting themselves. Not a dicky bird. No fire. Millions of people watching. All of Israel's there to check it all out. Prophets of Baal have had their best shot. Elijah says, pour water on the wood. Make it more difficult. And they did. And then he just says, God, glorify yourself. The fire comes from heaven. Everything is burnt up. They turn on the prophets of Baal and kill them all. What a moment. Now, if I did that, I'd be pretty confident in my God's got me, wouldn't you? He gets one letter. From one woman that says, I'm going to get you. And he completely wobbles. He runs. He finds a, a brush, I think I called it. And says, God, just let me die. I've had enough. I'm rubbish. Anyone ever felt like that before? It's okay. Elijah did. And Elijah did amazing things. And yet he ended up in this place going, I'm just no good. I've had enough. Just let me die. Because he was full of fear. But he needed some tough love. Was he going to die? No. So was it truth? No. Did God have a plan for him? Yes. So was the way he was feeling matching up with God? No. He needed some truth. So there he is sniveling around going, let me die. And the angel comes and says, get up and eat. And he has some food, but it hasn't shifted him. How many of us need telling more than once? Oh, I've had some food. I feel a bit better. More, more sleep. I'm no good still. Get up and eat. 
Got stuff for you to do. You need to strengthen yourself. Come on now. That's tough, love. And he gets up and he goes on to anoint the kings and the warriors who overthrow Ahab and Jezebel. They destroy Jezebel. Then he goes on to hand a double portion of his anointing to Elisha. He changes the world. Or there could have been no tough love. There, there, Elijah, never mind. It's probably best you die anyway. Why do we even do that? Do you know why we do that? Keep the peace. How about stop keeping the peace around the ones you love and peace make? Speak some truth so that as it goes along, peace is made. Good things happen. Don't beat yourself up if you find yourself in that place. But always remind yourself of that story. God's got a plan for you. Don't give up. Get on the truth. Believe it. Matt, can we have some keys? Our theme verse at the moment is Mark 10, 45, and it's Jesus speaking. We're going to keep this theme verse through to Christmas. And uh, it's where Jesus says, I came to serve, not to be served. And, and serving can look like a whole kind of things. And I want to suggest to you that you're serving someone when you give them tough love. Because you're putting yourself out there in a difficult position where they might reject you. You're putting yourself out there where the relationship might die. You're putting yourself out there out of your comfort zone because you love them. But the whole point is that you want to see them do better, not you. That's serving someone. And so serving can be going to open door. Serving can be wearing a red t-shirt on a Sunday, playing the keyboard. Serving can be going to youth club, running a on-camp team. Serving can be that. But serving can be loving someone completely. And it costs you something. And I want to develop a church full of people so rounded that we know when to be tender and when to be tough. And when it's time to be tough, that we're prepared to do it. But coming from that place where I've surrendered myself to Jesus and say, Lord, let me be in the right place to do this. Because I only want to see this person do well. Do you hear me? It needs to come from that place. If we can always remember that Jesus came for you to experience the fullest life. And therefore, if you have Jesus-centered decisions, godly friendships, and a soft heart, then tender and tough can work together in those relationships and you'll end up in the place where you experience the fullest life Jesus came for. If you just want it tender, you're not going to end up there. It's hard sometimes. But how about allow God just to smooth those rough edges off of you because he wants the best for you. He wants you to be in that position to step into that dream you've hoped for. But until he roughs those edges off, you're never going to get there. And he loves you enough to send someone into your life and say, let's talk truth now. Let's talk real. Because I love you too much to leave you the same way. I've got no doubt that all of you will have times where you need to give tough love. And I've got no doubt there'll be times when all of you need to hear some tough love. But my challenge to you tonight is will you be soft enough to give and receive exactly that? It can only ever work from a place where you're soft. 
I love that Jesus leads his church in triumph. Do you know what we win and are winning? And all we're doing is appropriating his victory. And yet we so struggle with it all. If only we each day would get on our knees and say, Jesus, I surrender to you. Let me be soft today. But I'm prepared in that softness to be both tender and tough. And we're going to walk in triumph, individually and corporately. Now, I think we honor him by choosing to do both. Because it reflects who he really is. So my encouragement to you tonight is be clothed with compassion. Be a great encourager. Be motivated by love, but be brave. Be brave. And approach the people God's put on your heart because you love him enough to do so. Should we pray? Can I get you to stand up? just want to invite you, if you're willing, just to close your eyes and just give your full attention to Jesus. And maybe the prayer on your heart right now could be, Lord, speak to me. Lord, we come before you knowing that none of us here is the finished article. But it's our greatest desire to be a bit more like you, Jesus. We just surrender our lives to you again right now. And just say, help me. Let my starting point be softness. Non-judgmental. Caring, compassionate. But let the outworking of that be both tender and tough. Lord, I ask for a special anointing to fall on all these people in this room right now. Amazing, amazing people. To find the right balance in loving. To learn along the way. But Lord, for those of us who are naturally tender, I just pray, Lord God, that you'd help us to toughen up. To have real conversations. To speak real truth not to dodge it but Lord for those of us who are naturally tough who don't have any trouble with that help us to be a bit more tender and to be more willing to put an arm around someone and say I care for you let us be balanced Jesus thank you Father that you're calling your church to mature and this is part of it believe a raising of a hand particularly makes any difference but I do believe it's a declaration of intent it's a good action a good response and I just wonder if there's anyone here today who says yes Lord I'm willing to allow you to work on my heart so I can be both tender and tough at the right time I want to mature I want to be more like you if that's you today I just invite you to raise your hand just as a declaration of intent to say that's me Jesus Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all the brilliant people across the room who are saying, use me. Lord, you see hearts, you see hands, you see lives, you see ability, you see potential. Lord, unleash it all on your church, I pray, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We submit to your kingship. That's cool. You can put your hands down.
I always love to give opportunity just for anyone in a loving and soft place like this. Is there anyone here tonight who feels a bit distant from Jesus? Maybe in the busyness of it all, you've drifted away from him. Maybe you've never known Jesus and you've come here tonight and you're like, wow, I need to get to know this Jesus. Just with every eye closed, is that you? Give me a wave, we'll pray together. Bless you there. Bless you at the back there. Bless you at the side. Bless you at the back over there. Bless you at the back. Bless you in the middle. So good. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray a prayer. Some of you may have prayed this prayer before, but let's give Jesus center stage in our life. Let's pray together. I'll pray a line and you follow me. Father God, thank you that you love me just the way I am. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord, Savior, and King, to lead me forward and to help me be a little bit more like you. I give you my life. And all God's people said, should we give Father a round of applause?